the impact that you can leave on a person through being fully and authentically yourself is immeasurable until the point where you have to find out the hard way just how much that person meant. Episode 39 is in loving memory of Colin Axelson and his daughter Madeline. We talk about what Colin meant to me as a teacher, as a mentor, as a coach, as a friend, as a hero. And I'm honored to sit across from his wife, Leanne Axelson, as we talk about what he meant to her as well. Honoring a legacy. I hope you enjoy this episode, and I really appreciate you for listening to it. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to episode 39 of the Lifestyle Chase. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Leanne Axelson. So, how are you doing today? How, how has your morning unfolded? What's, what's sort of a routine for you? Um, get up. Get ready, get my kids up, feed them breakfast, um, get them out the door. Coffee in there somewhere. Sweet. How do you usually drink your coffee? Um, well, my husband always teases me that I liked a little coffee with my cream, so. <laughs> that's I like a lot of cream in my coffee. That's it. If you had the choice between McDonald's or Tim Hortons, which would you choose? Uh, probably Tim Hortons. I find McDonald's coffee a little acidic. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's fair. Everybody everybody has their preference. Yeah, but I prefer my Nespresso. That's, that's nice. my thing. Yeah, I had that this morning. It's good. Kind of gets, gets the brain juices flowing, gets people thinking. Yeah. So this episode is special. It's, it's sort of celebrating the legacy of Colin Axelson, who I've talked about a few times in my podcast, just kind of subtly mentioning a, a teacher that had a huge impact on my life. And it's probably the one that I've been the most nervous for out of all of the podcasts that I've recorded, because for me, it means quite a lot to tell people about someone who's had an impact on me and just how that moment strikes me. Um, I'll kind of share a bit of my journey into going in as a personal trainer. Uh, I worked in a warehouse just like down the road five minutes for five years. And that job revolved a lot around happiness being derived from money, income, stability. And before that, I never thought I would be like a warehouse labor type person. I always saw myself as a creative, like. Most of my, my high school teachers would remember me thinking about going into film school or maybe having ideas of potentially being a teacher. I really loved gym class, so it makes sense that I'm a personal trainer, but just in the creative space and not so much the labor space. And I just, I, I remember the day that uh, news, news traveled fast. I think I heard about the news of Mr. Axelson through my, my sister-in-law, through the teacher circle, and it just like one person told another person told another person and it's probably the thing that has struck Pigeon Lake the hardest in all of my memory of Pigeon Lake. Mm -hmm. I think it's been the moment that brought everybody the closest, the fastest. It's been the moment that uh, 
had an impact on more of my classmates than any other moment. I, I know a few of my classmates from class of 2010 got tattoos to signify something. They've done something meaningful to show that significance. And I just remember being in the warehouse and thinking about like, I, I had someone who showed true character and treated other people properly. And like my first memory of Mr. Axelson was like, we, it was the three feeder schools that went into Pigeon Lake. So I came from Fallen and I went in there and it was my first time going into Pigeon Lake as like a, an upcoming student in our orientation. And he walked right up to each and every student and he, he made us feel comfortable with the whole idea of being, being somewhere new. And I, I remember how much, how much I cut myself down back then, like just like, oh no, I'm, I'm too, I'm not athletic enough for that, or I'm too shy for that, or like, I'm just, I can't get this assignment done. And uh, I just remember how within the first year he was already talking me into doing basketball. I was like, well, I'm, I'm not exactly the tallest person. I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't try basketball. And he's like, well, just do it. Like you, you could totally do it. And he would just, he's 100% of the reason that I gave basketball a shot. I wouldn't have even tried it. And it was like, I definitely had to show a lot of grit to get any success from it. Um, it was a very uphill battle, but like, I think I developed a lot of character from that as, as like a rookie player. And it kind of taught me some leadership in, in knowing that the only way to get anything that you want out of the things that you're passionate about is working hard. And I remember this one time when it was Mr. Axelson was my science teacher for a few years and there was this assignment that I just wasn't passionate about. I just didn't do it. And he kept giving me extension after extension. And it was just like this whole, he was with his students till the very end kind of thing. Like he'd stick it out for them. He, he was very empathetic and he understood and you could talk to him about anything and everything. And in the warehouse, thinking about these things about this person and his character and who he is to his family, his friends, his students, everybody. And I was like, what am I doing in this warehouse? Like how, how am I representing someone that had such an impact on me? And like, I don't even, I won't get to see him again, but he still has an impact. I can go into my day training a client and he still has an impact. I was like, what am I doing in a warehouse? And so that was a huge like pin needle in my, in my back, kind of like get out, get out, get, get going, do something. And you can hear about it in a lot of my other podcast episodes about the journey and it wasn't always straightforward, but that was definitely an influence. And that is a big part of why, why I'm passionate about empowering other people because I got to meet someone that was so empowering in his own right and taken too soon, but in the same way, that's no reason not to, to celebrate and talk about a legacy. So I'm gonna turn the table. It's, it's your turn and I would like to start this off by asking, how, how did the two of you meet? Um, well, he actually was really good friends with my two older brothers. Um, he stood up for both of them in their wedding, so he'd been around in my life for 
uh, quite a while before we started dating. Um, but I was always uh, really drawn to... I mean, he was larger than life in all aspects of that. Um, so he was someone you very magnetic and you were drawn to him. Um, but I think the two, two characteristics about him that just struck me more than anyone I'd, I'd ever met was his humility and his authenticity. Um, I didn't know anyone in my life that was had those characteristics in such a way that I, I'd never seen it exemplified in that way. That's awesome. Yeah. What, like, how, how old were you at the time when, when you started seeing him kind of thing? Um, uh, we started dating when I was 19. Uh, he was a few years older than me. So when we first met, I was only 14, so it would have been inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and actually, he was starting school... Well, actually, no, that's not true. He was in his second year of school, and I was heading out to um, BC to go to university in Kamloops there. So we dated for four years, but we always lived in different cities. We never actually... Uh, maybe summertime for a couple of months, we might have both been in the same city, but we always lived apart until we got married. That's crazy. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of people that kind of fight that battle of like distance and stuff. If there was listeners that are like, well, I can relate to that. What advice would you have for them on keeping things strong? Um. Well, I mean, I, you hear communication all the time, um, but a big part of communication is being honest. Yeah. So even when you think, oh, this might hurt someone, um, I can guarantee you it's more hurtful to be dishonest in the moment that you think you're protecting them and then it'll come out eventually. So I think that was a big part of it is um, being able to say this is hard or this is frustrating me or um, we wrote letters, oodles and oodles of letters. It was, <laughs> email had just started. Uh, so we did email a little bit, but yeah, I have a box of, a big box of letters at home now that uh, we sent back and forth to each other when we were dating and learned a lot through that. What are your three most happy associations with the letters, be it like a quote or just a feeling and emotion? Um, I think sometimes it's, well, uh, with letters, I had to say, um, what I wanted and, and mail it and I had to let him read it and respond. I have a tendency in learning, um, to keep talking. I know I think quick and I can talk quick and kind of bulldoze people if I'm not careful. Um, Colin was a little slower to process and so for him it was... A gift because he could read what I had to say and then he could think about it and then he could respond and I couldn't interrupt him when he was responding because I just had to read his letter so I think that that helped us a lot um, so I got to know him really well 
because uh, I had to listen. I think he was able to, and even myself, able to share things that are easier to write down and send in a letter than, which I guess would be texting or whatever yeah. now. But um, it's easier to say it that way than say it face-to-face sometimes when you're that age. Um, and there was special little, like he would draw little cartoons in his letters that would make me laugh or um, he was learning to play guitar and he recorded some songs on a tape which he would be mortified if he knew that people knew about that tape. I still have it. Um, Yeah, just special things like that that no one else in the world that knows him would know about him or have seen. Mm -hmm. That is cool. Yeah. And it's like it's like a special gift that you have that mm-hmm. nobody else has. Yeah. Um, a few of my favorite memories of high school, because like, I was I was a pretty quiet kid in high school. A lot of people are like, high school, the golden years. I'm like, so glad I'm over there. <laughs> but a few teachers stood out to me, and they made high school what it was. Mm-hmm. They they really made those magical moments, and I'd have to say like it was between. Mr. Axelson and Mr. Hetlinger, they taught me all my dance moves. Yeah. Be that a good thing or a bad thing, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. But I just remember, like, because Mr. Axelson was tall, so tall. Oh and then you see him, like, doing, like, two steps and, like, line dances. And, like, this is the funniest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> but he was good. He had well, the moves. He was. He's a better dancer than I was, yeah, by far. And so it was. It's good that I learned all my moves from him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had some dance moves that were less than appealing, but he he owned them. He would sing as well. Like yes. if if we were doing like a basketball drill and yeah. he was just showing off, he'd yeah. uh, he'd sing this one song. I can't remember the title, but it was like, "Don't you wish your girlfriend oh, was something yeah, like PCD. me?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was so funny because like he sang the whole damn thing. And would dribble past like half the top athletes, just throw it in the hoop, and then we're all humbled for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah, he he didn't lack confidence in that area, did he? It was good. It, it kept things light, and I think it uh, encouraged a lot of people to just naturally be themselves, mm-hmm. which is something that I've grown into promoting. Like on my Instagram, I think it says be your damn self because <laughs> there's so many sellouts in the world. And especially when, when you go into the fitness realm, cause that's like the popular thing to yeah. do these days. Everybody's like, I want to do fitness and I want to like look good for, for social media and all these things. But then they start selling out. They'll go for like, they'll sell their program or they'll do this, they'll do that. But it's just all it takes is just be yourself. Yeah. Like, have values and character and on that segue what are three values that you think uh colin had that were important and that you also think that are important you can do three for him three for you or just three together um well i know god was um top for him and and would be for me as well uh and not just being moral and uh all the stuff that goes along with that, but uh, living a life that's honoring, honoring to, to him and that relationship. Um, another huge thing for him was family. And 
you know, it's interesting because when I think of all the time that he gave to his students and the kids that he coached, um, I mean, there were, were moments of frustration for me saying like, when are you going to be around? Uh, but I knew, always knew that when it came down to it, um, I would tease him that we fit somewhere below basketball and school and the Calgary Flames. But um, I knew that we didn't. I knew uh, without a doubt. And it was interesting too when we would come to games or to the school to visit. And we were there quite a bit. Uh, everyone would be telling me stories. Oh, like Colin said this about you or Colin was talking about this or I heard about this story. And I realized how much um, the things that I didn't know about that he talked about that all talked about us all the time, talked about me all the time. I've since, you know, since the accident, I've met so many people that know who I am that I've never met. I might have heard their names from stories that he told, but, um, and say, oh yeah, I remember when Colin Axelson told us about this and Axelson tells us about that. And so, yeah, I, I know family was so important to him and especially us. Um, and then I, I really, I think people in general, um, and that's something that I learned from being married to him and, and since his death, um, has been something that I've taken an ownership in even more. And, and part of it is because, um, we, you know, we, we were married almost 12 years. Um, he was killed nine days short of our 12th anniversary. And and your, your heart's in a good marriage anyways, and I feel like I, I have a fabulous one. Um, but your hearts start to merge and what, what uh, you each are passionate about becomes one. And so that was part of it. But I think I also felt very challenged by um, the legacy that he had left in loving people and all sorts of people and he he was an athlete and you know loved hockey loved basketball loved phys ed but the interesting thing is the the lives of the people that he touched are not exclusive to that arena um so many people i know that were impacted by him really didn't feel comfortable in a gym and didn't feel comfortable with any sort of sporting in in their hand right like they it, that wasn't the only kind of people that he impacted. Um, and yeah, so I think he just loved people. I wanted people to feel valued. That was important to him. Totally. And I, I can attest to that. Like he, he definitely could relate to an athlete, but he also related to the underdog, like the, the kids that are by themselves. Like there, I couldn't, what got me was you see some leaders, teachers, whichever, and you'll see that they sort of have like a person that they relate to. And he related to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> he related yeah. to the popular ones. He related to the not popular ones. He related to the athletic ones, the not athletic ones. And he just had sort of a, a certain way to get down to their level, which is funny because he literally had to crouch sometimes. <laughs> but just like, 
this relatability and this ability to put himself in other people's shoes. Mm-hmm. And because I don't think there's a, ever a point where I thought that what he said would be offensive to somebody else. And we, we live in such a world where it's easy to say something that's offensive to somebody else and he had a skill for not doing that. Yeah. And I thought it was neat. Mad people skills. He really did. Yeah. And, but not in a, in your face kind of way. He was very, you know, but he, he was often the glue in situations. Um, I know at his job and, um, other situations where you would have uh, yeah. a conflict and he was kind of the one that could come in and just make it all good. He was like a Zen master. Yeah, he, he <laughs> was. If there is such a thing, he would he would have been brilliant at it. Well, I remember I there was one year that I didn't really have too many classes with him, but my locker was next to his room. Yeah. And then I would just be like anxious about whatever class I was going to, but then I would get near his room and be like, Ah, much better. <laughs> and it's just weird to think about that because, like, you take that stuff for granted in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I like it's that's why this podcast is important to me because I realize how much it took stuff like that for granted. Like, mm-hmm. I had a very good human in my life mm-hmm. for six years of junior to senior high school, and I got to see him pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that whole mentality of. I have to go to school. I have to see these people. No, like I got to see these Mm -hmm. people. And honestly, like I lived close enough to highway two that I could have started going to Wetaskiwin. Like if I really kind of felt like I needed a change, but it was teachers like him that was like, no, like then I would not get to see Mr. Axelson. Mm -hmm. And it's just that life shows us that we need to take people for the value that they bring to us kind of thing like for me I had someone who was a mentor and that period of time was shorter than I would have liked it to be but he was a mentor nonetheless and even though I might not have been like as mature as I am today I still learned a lot and sometimes you you learn from somebody and their actions that they do and then it sinks in years later and I think I've definitely learned that myself in my own life. And I think a lot of, a lot of the guys in, in my graduating class, I know, uh, I don't know if he'll listen to this, but Barry Wielden, mm-hmm. and you went on the trip with him. Yeah. Uh, he's a good guy. Yeah. And like every so often something stands out. I'm like, wow, like Axelson really had an effect on him. Hmm. I think he, I think Barry was the one that got the axe tattoo or something. Yes, I did see that. Yeah. And that's neat. Yeah. And I, you know, it's interesting too, because, um, I got to meet a lot of the kids that I played basketball for Colin, more like closer. Um, but I did meet some other kids too, but he would tell me lots of stories, obviously. That's what teachers do to their spouses. But yeah, one of the things that would come through so often when he was talking about kids was, um, oh, this, this kid is such a good kid. And, uh, you know, and I, and he just had this way of seeing like through to the heart and the goodness of people. Um, 
and even his theory on dealing with um, kids who are trouble in classes or at school um, you know initially he had thought well you know it should be like no tolerance kind of you know for sports teams or anything like that and I, I remember him coming home after I don't know if his probably second year in like into his second year of teaching and just saying you know I I don't know if I, th- I agree with that anymore because he said if I if someone makes a mistake and I say yeah no you're done then he said I have completely lost my ability to influence their life and if I kick them off the team or if they get expelled from the school then I, I have no opportunity to to reach them anymore and he said I don't I don't think that's the best way I don't think that's the right way um, and, and so I know even that evolved for him as he got to know you guys and just grew to love the kids that he taught even the ones that weren't his favorite but he still had a deep love for those kids and would our plan when he got that job out of university was four or five years kind of get teaching under his belt and then get out of there right like who wants to stick around there and um, he had opportunities and he had other job offers um, but he would always say to me I, I you know there's like a really good group of kids that just came into grade seven so I wouldn't mind sticking around until they're kind of through and eventually I'd said to him there's always going to be another group of kids coming you know that and I if we stay here that's fine but you don't have to keep giving me excuses but no he yeah he uh, he loved you guys a lot it was it, it showed and I think something that was really special is how much he like how much time but also logistics he invested into basketball athletes like he completely he changed the basketball program completely and then he took it and he changed it again because first like because I mostly played in junior high I didn't really play in senior high and so I got to do some of the basketball camps and like those were some highfalutin basketball camps. Mm-hmm. Like you could run those things today and they would still be like very, very effective, very valuable. And he packed the value into that. And like looking at things that are offered in, in the fitness industry today, I'm like that it competes with those things. Mm-hmm. Like he had, I think it was like a college coach or something yeah. in there too. And he had the machines where it feeds the ball back, like yeah. drills on drills on drills. And like, you're working hard to, build up that repetition like he did everything that was in his capabilities to make people great yeah now I have a cool story about that um so when he started there during his interview one of the things he had they had asked him if he would coach and he said I actually you know might not consider taking the job if I don't get to coach basketball that's huge for me well and I think most admin teams that's gold for them, right? Yeah. To find teachers who are willing to volunteer time. So, um, after he got the job, um, we were engaged and we were looking for a place to live and he'd taken me to the school and kind of said, they don't have basketball banners up here, but he's like, like one day, one day we'll have some basketball banners up there. And um, they did get some junior high ones, but it was his last year of coaching where he took um, the girls team to provincials and they came home with their first banner and they've since 
four or five now on um, that gym wall. And uh, I ran into someone through work last fall. And we were at a conference and we were supposed to have a conversation about something and she shared that her husband was a teacher down in southern Alberta and um, he coached basketball. I said, oh, that's that's kind of neat. And I said, my husband did too. And uh, so she said, yeah, there's this, this team that comes from around here because we were in Edmonton and uh, man, they are always good like they dominate every year and this program my husband said he's watched this program just grow and um, I said oh where are they from she's like Pigeon Lake and I said oh really and I said it's actually my husband that started that program because up until the point he was there there was really no basketball program it was like a mom in a gym and a whistle or something um, and uh, she said oh wow my husband's been trying to you know model his program after what he's learned about this program and um, just had all these neat things to say. And I, that was just such a, I called Colin's parents after that conversation just to tell them, but it, it was so neat to hear that because I thought, yeah, he did, he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. And uh, there's even other people completely unaware of the situation who, who see it and recognize it. And, um, and it's not that it's about that. You don't have to be recognized, but it it was just a nice affirmation. Cool. Knowing what I know about him and like his work ethic and like it was all it was never an ego thing. No. He never did anything for him. No. And like I I could observe the times when he was putting in so much time to basketball that he had to stop himself and rein it back and like yeah. he would get emotional about it. <laughs> like when when he was intensely coaching like the senior boys, mm-hmm. um, there would that's a big time commitment. And for students that don't understand it's gonna take even more time. Mm-hmm. When they, when they can't buy into what they need to do yeah. for the whole team to get better, then he would have had to invest even more emotion, more time, more technique. But it's never ego. It was always, like, passion. And just to, to be witness to that, because I'd be, like, kind of walking through the school and maybe, like, small talk with him, like, hey, how's it going? Haven't seen you in a while, kind of thing. And it's just... I, I bore witness to how much that program meant to him. And then, like, I graduated. And then since then, that's when he started taking on, like, the, the girls' team. Mm-hmm. And I remember the girls' team when I graduated. And then I heard about the girls' team just lighting it up. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. And just, like, because I would have friends with, like, younger sisters or something on the team. And I'd just see, oh, oh wow, like, they're, they're winning all these games. Yeah. And then ever since like in there's that facebook group and it's memories of colin axelson and that thing that's probably the fastest growing facebook group i've ever seen (laughs) and it's really neat to see those teams continue to flourish and it's kind of like he led by example in a way that empowered other coaches to if it's not step it up just see their ability or see their privilege to be able to empower other people mm-hmm. kind of thing because obviously there, there's a ton of great coaches yeah. 
Yes, yes. But sometimes you just have to see someone really, really care about something to see how much you can really, really care about something. Yeah. It's it's cool. Yeah. So you went on a few of the trips with the team. Yes. And so in terms of travel, whether it be with the team or just you and Colin, what what are your most memorable memorable vacations that you've gone on and what made them memorable? Um, you know, we actually had the privilege to do a fair amount of traveling. Um, uh, when our, my oldest son was three months old, we spent two weeks in Dubai and UAE area. And that was a, a neat trip. We were visiting my parents. Um, but I think if I had to say the two vacations um, that have the best memories for me would be um, two road trips that we took in the summer. Uh, so one we did down to the west coast. Um, now Colin loved being the driver. He wasn't a very good passenger. So the plan was we would take turns driving. Um, and I think the first road trip we took, so we we drove straight to Salt Lake City in one day. Because like insane amount of driving. Um, and the next morning we set up a tent in a schoolyard, got I think woke up at five AM from the sprinklers in the yard. <laughs> so we're running out there trying to make sure the tent doesn't get wet. That was quite funny. I mean it wasn't great when we were tired, but um, it was funny. And then I was supposed to drive that morning and I, I think I drove for about an hour and a half and then finally he just s sat up in his seat and said, I, I, can I just drive? I can't, I can't sleep. Just let me drive. Well, okay, fine. So um, we made it all the way down to LA and then came up the coast on the number one. Um, three weeks we stopped and visited family and friends and um, yeah, I saw some pretty amazing things and spent a lot of time in the car together and I was the navigator and we there was no GPS when we did these um, so I had all the maps and uh, yeah I, we were not sure how we would do you know we're, that's a lot of time in the car and, but uh, we came back from that and we were like we didn't fight that was amazing like, <laughs> That was lots of fun. Three weeks and we survived. Um, two summers later, we did um, East Coast. So we drove all the way down to Florida, did a little stint to the Bahamas, and then came up the East Coast of Florida. Again, visiting family and friends. Uh, Washington, New York, Nashville, um, Orlando, Miami, Daytona Beach, uh, Chicago. It was... It was so much fun. Like we had a blast and again, we got along the whole trip and that was four weeks that we did that one. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, those things are just imprinted in my mind and in my soul and I'll, I'll never forget them. Mm -hmm. I think travel is, that's another thing that people take for granted. Mm. Like, I've been lucky to have some really good friends that talked me into going on trips where I 
oh, I was like, oh, I can't afford this, or I don't have time. And then yeah. when I took the time or made the finances work, like, those are monumental. Yeah. Like, I've always learned, like, some really big lessons from from traveling, be it being out of my comfort zone yeah. or just, like, spending an extended period of time with, like, different human beings. Mm-hmm. So if we zoom in on, like, school trips, what were, like, couple lessons that you learned from school trips um school trips well (laughs) i did chaperone one hawaii trip um and then we went if tournaments were within two three hours of home then i would normally pack up the kids and go along yeah um and I, I mean, I, one thing that I learned early on was even though he was around, um, his responsibility was the 12 teammates that he was coaching. And uh, he, I was still single parenting in those moments. You know, he, that, uh, he was there to engage with them, but that's not his priority. His priority was the students. So um, learned not to expect that he would be helping in that way. And once I kind of got that expectation to where it should be, then it made things a lot better. Um, I think I really um, enjoyed seeing and learned about his relationship with students and then even the families and how much, um, how much respect he had within the community. Um, and people really trusted him with their kids as a teacher, as a coach. Um, they could tell that he was invested in their kids and they were very supportive. He rarely had problems with students or players' parents. Like it really wasn't, um, parent teachers, he would come back and I'd say, how'd it go? And he'd be like, why? Well, I never really get any issues. He's like, there's some kids that come with the parents and I, challenge him on stuff but he's like usually just people come to shoot the breeze with me (laughs) well that's not a bad thing well yeah but it seems wrong somehow (laughs) um yeah but i loved and then even i think to um the respect that he had from his colleagues and the other staff at the school um and even within the basketball community in Alberta. He, he built a lot of relationships there and, um, yeah, he, he was uh, very respected. Totally. Absolutely. So with you raising the boys today, what are, what are some things that you'd like to see in them to sort of carry on his legacy? Like some some lessons or just some memories or stories that you would tell them to sort of remind them of of who they who they had um oh well it's definitely something that i try to bring into with with both colin and their sister madeline um that they lost uh we talk about them a lot and um, for Madeline, it's more, what do you think she would think of 
this or what we're having for supper or um, what would you want to buy her for Christmas or what would she dress up for Halloween um, whereas for Colin um, we talk about uh, a lot of ways in which they're the same as their dad um, and I'll say oh my goodness that reminds you reminds me of your dad and how we would do that or um, if your dad could see that he would be so happy because that's just what he would do right and um, I think it's so important that they hear about the man that he was um, and you know they were four and five uh, when he was killed but it's amazing um, how much of him they know and and are um, they are diehard Flames fans like diehard and uh, they don't even, you know, if people have Oilers stuff on, they're like, get out of the house. And I have not, that's like, they haven't got that from yeah. me. They got that from him and it's in their DNA somehow. <laughs> um, so that's one of the funny things that they, they have passed down from their dad. But I think um, people, I want them to care about people too. Um consider each other and consider others when they're doing things because it isn't always just about you mm -hmm. um, and you don't know when people are paying attention and watching you um, and learning from you and so what you leave as a legacy you want that to be good um, I think having a sense of humor and to be able to take yourself lightly um, to not to be able to laugh at yourself and be a goof and um, be kind, but just be who you are and totally. embrace it. Totally. Um, and that, that was definitely something that I learned um, from Colin. Like I talked earlier just about that authenticity. He was who he was and you knew whatever side of him you saw, it was all him. Like yeah. there was no smoke and mirrors with Colin and totally. it was a beautiful thing um, hmm. I think his love of being active whether it be sports or uh, camping or hiking or yeah anything like that I I think that's important um, to find something, uh, whether or not you're a team sport person, but find an activity that you just love to do that you can continue to do throughout your life. I think, um, I think especially for boys, they they need an outlet. So I think it's really valuable. But I think even just for health and general wellness, it's it's important to have that too. So I want that for them. So they they play a lot of sports. Sometimes I regret it, but I know it's a good thing. I know their dad would like it. Yeah, totally. And like they, they're bound to have a lot of natural talent for it too. Yeah, I think it's coming. <laughs> it yeah. takes time. It does. Well, and you know, it's it's interesting because Colin was a bit of a... He was always a 
athlete or he liked sport, but even when it came to basketball, he was a bit of a late bloomer. Yeah. Um, he didn't make the senior team in grade 11. Uh, he was in the, the junior varsity team. Um, but then of all of his friends, he was the one who went the farthest playing basketball and then went the farthest coaching. Yeah. Um, and had lots of potential. Like he, he did have the opportunity to coach, um, a university team, um, and could have continued with that, but it just cut into, uh, his school team. He knew he couldn't do high school and university and then family time. And so he just said, no, not yeah. right now, not at this time in my life. So, um, but yeah, so he, he, he took his time getting good. He got there, but slowly, but surely. So. Well, I honestly think that's how he could relate to people. Like yeah. for, for myself, I often wonder, I was like, why was he so persistent to get me playing basketball? Like there absolutely nothing in it for him, but yeah, he just kind of, he encouraged me to try out. Uh, he gave me some extra time during drills and gym class. Mm-hmm. He always told me I'd make it to 5'10", did not make it to 5'10", more like 5'8", <laughs> but it is what it is. But it's just like that, that attitude. Yeah. And then that's like been a, a resource or a tool that I have applied to life going mm-hmm. forward. Like I'm in an industry where it's, they say the average uh, career span of a trainer is two years. Oh, wow. And it's part of it is burnout. Part of it is just like it takes... You gotta be, you really gotta be in it for the right reasons. And it's not too different from teaching. Mm-hmm. Like, if you do not, if you're not a people person, you're out. Like, you're either going to start, like, selling things for money that seem lucrative, or it's just not gonna, it's not gonna work out. And so it's just, it's neat to hear that perspective, because I'm like, no wonder he, like, connected with so many people, because mm-hmm. that was him. Like, mm-hmm. He just, he understood what it yeah. felt like. Yeah. And, and, and they, they say, you know, when you, when everything comes naturally to you early on, sometimes you, you lose the drive. Yeah. Or you don't develop the drive, I guess. Um, whereas athletes who weren't necessarily as natural, but had to work hard and had to be more grit. Um, those, those are the 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 athletes and the individuals that will be able to push themselves farther in sport or life because they had to develop those skills right and, yeah um and they're usually more coachable anyways but that's it's important those are the people who don't necessarily know how to have an ego they're just like yeah to get yeah. this thing we have to Works. go to work yeah absolutely. we have to put in the effort we have to like not cut ourselves down and just see what we can do and like yeah. in high school junior high years that's the prime of a lot of people cutting themselves down so a teacher that won't let that happen within your shot is pretty pivotal yeah. for anyone yeah to have that person to know that someone in that building is got your back and has confidence in you that's so empowering yeah for students and for, because I imagine I'll have lots of other teachers that taught me listening. Like, it takes mm-hmm. a village to yeah. raise one kid. Yeah. So, as much as we're talking about Mr. Axelson and how much he, like, encouraged people, yeah. lots of teachers. Lot of it teachers takes a lot there. of teachers. Yeah. 
it's like a little ping pong game. One of them says something nice, and they go, oh, great. They get to the other side of the hallway. I'm sad now. The other one says something nice. Like, it's a balance. It's a yeah. delicate game. But not all teachers can do that. Yeah. So it's, it's a gift. Yeah. But most teachers are superheroes, so. They truly are. They truly are. So that Facebook group got pretty big pretty quick. What were your first, like, thoughts with it? I think it grew to, like, 700 members and just, like, former students, all these different things and just all these different stories and stuff coming together at such a time. Um, yeah, you know, I'm trying to remember. Honestly, um, I mean, that day was pretty horrific, obviously. Um... I there was about half an hour, forty five minutes right after impact on the highway where I don't have I don't have any memory. I wasn't unconscious, but I have no. I just remember all of a sudden waking up, sitting at the side of the road with my boys on my lap. Um, so at that point, I was told that Colin was gone and that my daughter was being airlifted to the Children's Hospital in Calgary. We were sent to Red Deer on the way to Red Deer. Um, they almost lost Benjamin, um, and my other son was, you know, kept telling his brother to wake up and not go. Um, so then we get to Red Deer, and one son's taken to victim services, and the other one's in the room next door screaming, and they thought I was, I had so many bruises, they were worried I, and then I got a phone call saying my daughter wasn't going to make it, and I need to get to Calgary to say goodbye. Um, so, uh, all that to say, it was very overwhelming. So to be honest, I don't even remember when I became aware of that group. Um, I'm guessing it was probably at least three, four weeks after the accident before I, I, you know, those first two weeks are blur. I remember what people tell me, but I don't remember a lot. Um, I think it was so powerful for me, um, and I, I still would like to take those stories and put it into a book for the boys to be able to read. Um, but hearing from, and I think as we talked about earlier, um, all the different groups of people that he impacted, and even kids whom were on teams that Colin's team played against, saying, I remember him as a coach, and I remember the encouragement he gave me in the high-five line at the end of the game, and, um, you know, he he connected me. You know, just people that I think, you interacted with him for, what, five minutes or 15 minutes? or um, And yet, it, he stood out to them. and And I had often said that to him. I said, I don't know if you know how much impact you've had in this community and um, the feelings that your students and your colleagues and families around here have about you. And he's like, yeah, I think they don't, you know, I think they like me. And I was like, well, yeah, I think they like you, but I think um, they trust you so much and rightly so, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a beautiful gift. I 
I love those stories. Um, it's, it's always nice to hear how, you know, you think about yourself when someone shares how you've impacted their life. Um, and I think in that hearing about this legacy that Colin left is um, not made it easy, but have been a gift in all of this. Totally. To have that. It's it's one of those situations that's tough to talk about. Like I'm sure some people are like, why why is he bringing this up? <laughs> like, but it's just people are going to have things in their life where they feel so alone. Mm. And how how many resources are out there where they don't feel so alone? Mm. And so, in part of this, like it's just we're we're celebrating a legacy, but we're also empowering other people to not feel alone kind of thing um something that sort of stood out to me i think i saw it maybe you shared it in the group or i saw it word of mouth small community but you're a writer like you you write things like just just for fun yeah well then that's um i don't feel like people say oh you're a writer i'm like i'm not a writer i just write sometimes um but i guess that's what a writer does yeah something i didn't do before the accident um i need to process externally I've always needed to get it out. And one of our habits was um, we always went to bed together. And that was something both of us wanted, but especially Colin. He was like, I don't, if you're not going to bed, I don't want to go to bed. Or if you're going to bed, I want to go, you know, like, yeah. I don't want separate. So we would go to bed together. And then before we would fall asleep, we would just talk. And, um, you know, about our day, about the week ahead, or hopes and dreams, all of those things. Um, and he got to learn just to listen. And I would blah, 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 and then, oh, I feel better now, I got it out. And then sleep like a baby, I wish. Um, and so then after um, Colin was gone, I just had so much, but I couldn't get it out because I had no one to talk to. And so I just, started writing and I really had no intention of ever sharing what I was writing. Um, I just needed to get stuff out. But there was so many people invested in this journey I was now on um, because of uh, our family and, and Colin and, and how public everything was. And so I would get a lot of emails and text messages and messenger um, notes just asking how, how are you doing how are you going and I, you know some days it would be more than 80 people would contact me and I, I did not have the ability um, to connect with everyone uh, so what I started doing was posting some of what I was writing to kind of let people know where I was at or what I was going through um, and it was just a really efficient way to respond to lots of people um, and in the end it turned into a blog and again, I was very reluctant. Um, I took a lot of, it took a lot of persuasion from other people. Um, but that has been neat in the responses and the feedback that I've been getting from people. Um, and a lot of people who've also lost somebody and can't articulate how they feel and then they'll read something and say, oh, this is totally how I feel, and I couldn't say it, thank you. Um, 
So another challenge to me that sometimes you need to step out of your comfort zone and do something that you might not want to, but that you've been put in a position to do um, because it's not just about you. Yeah. And I think that's, that's something a lot of people will be able to relate to. Like most, most of our most helpful or most empowering or fulfilling moments, it's never comfortable. It's never something that's like, oh yes, this feels like easy. Like it's just, sometimes it's a gut instinct. Sometimes it's just like right place, right time. But like, it's, it's amazing. Cause I would say you should definitely think of yourself as a writer. Like that's just what you're writing stuff down. Writer, simple as that. <laughs> it's like Mr. Axelson talking about how like he, he, why well, don't have an impact on people? Mm. Well, he did. Yeah. Simple as that. Going into your week to week, what are three things that you just always place into your week? Like today in this present moment, what are your three non-negotiables? Um, I think I... Um, one of the biggest ones is being present. Um, that's always been a bit of a struggle for me because I'm a, I'm a doer, I'm a task focused person. Um, but having kids kind of changed that for me, being married to, uh, Colin changed that for me too. And then especially, um, after the accident, just realizing be wherever you're at, be there. Um, whatever situation you're in, you know there's great things about that situation and there's less great things about that situation. Whatever stage your kids are at, whatever stage in life you're at. Um, and enjoy the good stuff that's in that moment. The bad stuff will be there, you gotta deal with it. But remember that when the situation changes, you lose the good and the bad. You know, you don't get to take just the good and leave the bad. So enjoy the good of that, that moment that circumstance and then move on to the next one and and have that be your focus um, another big piece for me is hope and I do I have hope um, does that mean that uh, all my days aren't hard no not at all um, but even in the worst of moments um, I have hope and I remind myself of that. Um, there is nothing that's hopeless. And that can, that can get you through some tough stuff. Um, and like I say, not erase, not erase it, but it gives you uh, something to look down through the darkness to. Um, and then I think being intentional and purposeful and um, sometimes that intent and purposefulness is just uh, you know for me to have fun with the boys to have a good memory um, but sometimes it's bigger than that and maybe not maybe that's the, as big as it gets I don't know but um, it doesn't have to be grand well thought out 
five-year intentional purposeful plan um, could be but to to act don't be flippant with your actions and don't be flippant with your words um, yeah recognize that everything you do um, has the potential to to impact others and and you're constantly leaving your fingerprints on other people's lives and you don't know how many you're leaving or how deep those fingerprints are or if the last but they might um, so I don't know live live with that in mind totally I like the the fingerprints one because I think people go and they say what they say and they do what they do and they don't really understand how much impact that they have mm-hmm. whether it's a few seconds or a few hours mm-hmm. like I'll see some clients for an hour or two hours every single week and if they take a week off I'm like oh like it throws me off completely <laughs> and I go to a lot of group fitness so I'll see a number of people in a room or I'll just I'll be at the grocery store and just how people are interact as humans and it's just it's so pivotal in the outcomes of what we do how we feel kind of thing like if you're seeing a stranger just something as a, mm-hmm. as simple as a smile mm-hmm. can completely turn around a person's day mm-hmm. and we don't even we don't get that no, and we don't we understand that yeah. and so that's i think it's so important to yeah be yourself and all the things that you reflected about it's great great lesson great thing to take away um Here's some quick questions to sort of lighten the tone. If you could choose between Donaire's or pizza, which would you choose? Oh, um, probably pizza. Yeah, pizza. Good choice, good choice. I respect that. Okay, favorite kind of cereal? Oh, um, I am a little ashamed to say that my favorite cereal is Life. It's not bad. Well, it's probably not the most healthy, and I rarely buy it, but... It is what it is. I feel like a kid (laughs) when I have life. Well, (laughs) what kind of cereal do the boys like? Um, Shreddies and Cheerios and granola, probably. Nice. Nice. Cake or cookies? Oh, cookies. I'm not a cake girl. What kind of cookies? Well, um, <laughs> if they have macadamia nuts in them, then it wouldn't matter what they were. I would like them. Sweet. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to basically wrap this up with the last question that I ask all of my guests. Okay. If you could give one piece of advice to someone on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? Um, I would say... always always put people first that's a good one that's it yeah it's good thank you for trusting me with your story and your time it's been a great chat yeah it's been very good